Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is a Thursday morning here in North Carolina. It is July the 11th, 2019. Thank you for joining me. First, let me apologize for the past two days that BTR News has not been live on air. Uh, to be honest with you, um, just been kind of burnt out, needed to take a couple of work days. And then also we're trying to have some work done um, to our home and needing to talk to contractors, insurance adjusters and what have you. And so but I'm back uh, this morning. Um, so thank you for being patient with me as uh, people have been asking me if I'm okay because I wasn't on air. Uh, yes, I'm okay. I'm okay. Just needed to uh, get a little bit of rest. But I do have a a uh, some things uh, that will be coming up soon. I'm not going to announce it right now. Um, but listen, please continue to support the nonprofit media efforts of the Black Talk Media Project. The Black Talk Media Project was created in 2008 to address the lack of independent black media platforms. There was no lack of independent black media. Uh, it's just that we weren't operating on platforms that we own and platforms that we control. So we also saw that terrestrial radio, um, talk radio specifically was disappearing. Uh, black radio stations disappearing across the nation. This has been part of a plan to uh, minimize the access to mass communication here in the United States, especially for black people. When you know the history of, of just black struggle in this country, media has always played a role, whether we're talking about newspapers, magazines, um, but also uh, radio. Radio was really a big asset during the civil rights movement and the black power movement. But in 1996, um, law was passed by the Clinton administration working with Republicans to drown out independent black voices in your local community by um, uh, raising the number of stations that any one corporation could operate in a single market. Therefore, you had Clear Channel now known as iHeartRadio come in and set up a whole bunch of stations, hire a couple of black people, a couple of black disc jockeys and what have you, and then call it black radio. And and that kind of squeezed the independently owned black radio stations out the market. Uh, their advertisement revenue shrank. And, you know, we're now starting to see this with uh, traditional print media as well, with Ebony and Jet Magazine uh, going into bankruptcy. And now they're talking about they may shut their doors forever. So it's very important that if, 
independent black media is important to you that you support efforts like the Black Talk Media Project. Again, your donations to our nonprofit are tax deductible. And I just want to give a shout out. Got uh, two rather um, large, um, about $100, uh, a couple of hundred dollars uh, from two different individuals made donations this week. Uh, thank you for your donation. Also, uh, greetings to the new members of btrcommunity.com, which is the social media network we set up for a more, more secured and codified um, existence online because your social media can cause you problems on your job or if you're seeking employment, um, especially if you're not codified. And speaking of codification, um, well, first, let me say you can join that social media community while making a donation, a tax-deductible donation again, to the Black Talk Media Project. Just $24 a year um, is the subscription for BTR community, and again, it benefits our media operations. So, speaking of codification, um, that is pretty much what I will be focusing on um, today for those that aren't aware of or know what codification is. If you're a long-time listener of Black Talk Radio Network and the different programs on the network, then you may have heard of counter-racist codification, um, something that was uh, put out by one Mr. Neely Fuller Jr. Um, it's, it's nothing but a moral code, um, and it's supposed to help victims of racism um, to to operate behind the enemy lines of a of a nation that's practicing white supremacy, um, also uh, to help us uh, have more productive interactions among ourselves, and you know we will be focusing on the concept of codification as Mr. Neely Fuller frames it um, today. Um, it's showing up in in the news. Okay. So let me just give you a brief description of what I'll be talking about. I, I possibly won't be on uh, the entire two hours today. Have another contractor that's scheduled to come out here and give a free estimate. So I'm um, get through the information and and uh, try to get done before he he gets here. He's scheduled to come here sometime around twelve. All right. So Nicki Minaj. I'll be talking about her today. Um, she sent a mixed messages on why she decided against performing in Saudi Arabia at a music festival where she was one of the headline acts. Um, I've talked about it um, on a podcast possibly last week. It might have been Monday. I know I wasn't uh, doing BTR News. I did not do BTR News on Tuesday and Wednesday, but it was possibly Monday or last Friday where I talked about this story about um, you had some activists in Saudi Arabia, uh, mainly women, who are treated as second-class citizens. Uh, I believe I've shared several times my experiences in Saudi Arabia while I was stationed there during the Gulf War and having the opportunity to uh, go off base and go uptown and observe how people live there. Um and while we were there, women um, held a demonstration where they jumped in the cars and were driving um, without a male chaperone, without permission of one of their male family members, and that's against the law in Saudi Arabia. Although recently they have 
obtain some kind of rights to to drive, but they still will have to be accompanied by a meal. They can't go around by themselves. And so they staged a, a driving protest while I was there in country. Um, you know, I talked about my experience in a segregated restaurant. Uh, they segregate their public uh, um, facilities like restaurants by gender. And so um, it's not that I don't have any experience in what I'm talking about today. I actually went there and observed um, what I'm talking about. And they have very, very, uh, a very atrocious human rights record. Um, when I was over there, they still stone people, um, cut people heads off uh, for whatever violation of their laws. Uh, very, very, and I don't mean this in a dehumanizing way because I'm talking about the government and and their rules and how they rule the people, and it's very barbaric, very barbaric. And so, um, yeah, we'll be talking about that. So, Nicki Minaj was uh, scheduled to perform there, and some of those activists, uh, particularly women, were saying, "Hey, I can't. I, what is she gonna do? Come over here and shake her." her sparsely clothed behind up on the stage and do some twerking. And, and you know, if one of us did that, oh, man, we'd be getting thrown in jail. Uh, if not, you know, hung or killed or our heads cut off and, and what have you. And so, you know, those women were just pointing that out that, hey, even the women who would attend this concert with Nicki Minaj would have to attend the concert fully clothed with hijabs on, or I probably butcher how you say that, but with the head scarves on and, and what have you. I don't think they make them wear burkers over there, but I did see people with burkers over there. That's where, um, you know, you have the full uh, body covering and you got like a slit on the covering for your head. It's like really a hood and it's just a slit for your eyes. I saw some women over there. Um, like that, although I also saw women who just had the head scarf and of course their, their entire bodies were, were covered, but they didn't have the hood, hood on. Um, and so, you know, these women were pointing that out. These Saudi Arabian women were pointing out the abuses that they faced and saying, uh, um, and calling out their own government for its hypocrisy for bringing someone over who's going to rap um songs that are vulgar that are obscene and and you know just uh goes against everything that people say um you know you're not supposed to be doing uh over there so we're going to take a look at that story because now uh, uh Nicki Minaj has pulled out the concert and she cited human rights abuses she gave the right answer she said after doing some research and people bringing it to my attention, I've decided that I'm not going to go over there. Now, she could have left it at that. The Human Rights uh, uh, Network um, even applauded her and saying, you know, kudos to Nikki for standing up for the human rights and not going to Saudi Arabia to to perform and bringing attention on on uh, what these women are going through over there. But now Nicki Minaj is saying something entirely different. Um, she's now saying that the reason she ain't going is because Jamaica, the island nation, Caribbean nation of Jamaica, suggesting that Jamaica has similar human rights abuses and, and, and treat women 
um, as second-class citizens. Um, she described something that's kind of hard to believe would have been kept under wraps if it really happened, but she said that um, she forgot not to curse, and cursing is part of the 10 basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech and or action as put forth by Mr. Neely Fuller. That's number three, stop cursing. Um, and so in some of these nations, you cannot use curse words in public. You you definitely not going to turn on the radio and hear people cursing, and you're not going to hear a bunch of vulgar language. And so apparently, you know, they have rules about uh, public obscenities in Jamaica. And she said that she forgot to not curse on her during her uh, performance in Jamaica at whatever concert it was and said that the Jamaican police just pulled guns out. A bunch of them pulled guns out. And, you know, she didn't say they was pointing at her. I don't think she said that. I had to go back and read the article. But she said she insinuated that they were threatening her, pulling out guns because she was cursing. And so now people in Jamaica are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We not believe in that. And then you trying to suggest that our our society is as oppressive towards women because um, you didn't get to curse on stage and, and all that. I tell you, man, a, a lot of us could learn. If you don't have a moral code, uh, again, what I like about Mr. Neely Fuller Jr. is that he puts it out in a non-religious, non-spiritual context. But many of this code, these codes can be found in spiritual codes of conduct, like stop killing, um, you know, stop uh, gossiping, stop uh, uh, stealing. Yeah, those are part of the Ten Commandments. Um, stop killing isn't one of them. Um, that's been misinterpreted. It really means do not murder. Murder, you know, you can kill in, in defense of your life or defense of somebody else's life. Even um, Scripture talks about Jesus telling the disciple to go buy some swords and protect the innocent um, after uh, he makes his sacrifice on on the cross. Um, but but killing it is it depends on why you have to kill, uh, whether or not it's correct or incorrect. But Mr. Fuller talks about it in a non-spiritual uh, way, non-religious way, since a lot of people, um, um, because of what people have done in the name of religion, will be turned off by these religious codes or any mention of the um, particular religion. So, um, you know, here, here's some of the Ten Commandments wrapped up in the uh, ten basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech and or action. And I will point out that it's not just uh, in speech and action towards one another, but between or uh, towards all human beings. And, and, and it all boils down to being codified, being codified in your speech, being codified in your actions to minimize any kind of problems that you can occur by not um, by not being codified. Um, especially in a system that that values uh, white supremacy or promotes white supremacy, uh, whether these are spoken rules or unspoken rules of white supremacy. Codification can uh, help you navigate the white supremacist waters, uh, so to speak. So 
anyway, um, I thought it was interesting that she then made up this story about guns being pointed at her for cursing. And I'll get into that story and, and share some of what some of the people in Jamaica are saying um, about her comments. I mean, I thought she should have just left it at, I did some research after concerns were raised about me performing in Saudi Arabia, and I see that, you know, they have a, 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 a record of human rights abuses, and so therefore I will not be going to perform. She could have just left it at that. But she didn't. She didn't try to say it was because of some experience she had in Jamaica. So we'll take a look at that. Um, I'm not going to call her a liar about it. It could have happened, but nobody else seems to have witnessed this happening to her. I would think that would be like big news, especially on the hip hop sites and that, you know, uh, uh, she would be raising this issue um, before now. All right. So here's another thing about codification, about not being... Uh, drunk, um, inebriated, intoxicated behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. But you have an African-American woman, this happened in New York, who has been arrested after physically assaulting a woman that she perceived to be Hispanic. The woman sp spoke Spanish, so therefore it's likely that she is Hispanic, although white people speak Spanish and and black people speak Spanish and people all over the world uh, speak Spanish, whether it's their first language or not. Um, you know, some people are multilingual. But this African-American woman was on this train uh, or in the subway and she had been drinking and then she attacks just out of the blue with no provocation this Hispanic woman claiming that the Hispanic woman was stealing our jobs. That's that's so uncodified. That's very uncodified. Now she's been arrested, um, possibly in Rikers, that infamous uh, prison slave plantation or jail, and and so I don't know how much her bail or bond is going to be. I'm I'm pretty sure if she's concerned about jobs, she probably ain't got no money. Um, to spare for bail, um, then, you know, if somebody bail, bails her out, she still got to go to court. And who knows, could be looking at um, how much time, a year or two years, three years, possibly five years, depends on what they charge her with, uh, behind bars on a prison slavery plantation, where they'll give her a job. She don't have to worry about no job in slavery now. In prison slavery, um, prisoners run the prisons. Uh, basically, so she'll find a job in there. Let's hope she don't don't have to go to prison slavery to learn um, a lesson about being codified and and how incorrect it is to attack people um, because they're different from you. It, it's just a shame that we as as oppressed people with our history of oppression. Um, even have to have these conversations among ourselves about um, our incorrect behavior, uncodified behavior towards other non-white people because we perceive that they're stealing something from us. Well, in order for somebody to steal something from you, it first has to belong to you. If you didn't create the job, the job is not yours, meaning if you didn't start the company, that makes the product or provides the services that you hire people to do, then it's not your job. It's not your job. It is the job creator's job to give to whom they want to. 
right? That That's how it works in, in this capitalist society, right? And so to say that somebody else is stealing a job that you didn't create is illogical. It's illogical. And it definitely speaks to number 10 on the list of 10 basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech and action. Squabbling? You're squabbling with another non-white person over jobs, over jobs created by white people? And then you're, you're asking white supremacists like Donald Trump to do something about immigrants coming here? Wow. And then she doesn't even know if this woman is an immigrant. That information is not, not shared. Just cause she speaks Spanish don't make her an immigrant from another country. Uh, lots of Spanish speaking people were in Texas. We're in New Mexico, we're in Arizona, in California, when the white supremacists expanded wealth and wealth, uh, um, west and conquered those territories and made California a state, took Texas from Mexico, and those people didn't leave. They didn't leave. They stayed there. They had been there for who knows how long. Um, um, you know, certainly not before the Native Americans, but some of these people are indigenous that are being called Hispanic just because they might come from Mexico or Guatemala or somewhere in South America. They still, that, that doesn't mean that they're Mexican nationals. They can be indigenous people. As uh, I heard Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez say, some of those children that's in Donald Trump's cages don't speak Spanish nor English. They speak an indigenous language, and nobody knows their language. So, it, again, codification is very important, especially you keeping yourself out of slavery, out of slavery. And um, apparently an article came out. I saw it, what, the day before yesterday, and I, um, I made note of it. I posted it to btrcommunity.com where all my... Uh, stories are posted. There is a link in today's broadcast, uh, on today's broadcast page that links to my program notes. So if you're listening live or listening, uh, later on the podcast, that's where you'll find these stories linked up to. Uh, you don't have to me- have to have, have a membership to view my program notes cause I make them public. Um, but anyway, um, so an article comes out and it's talking about the ADOS movement. Now, I, I don't talk much about the ADOS movement. I have made commentary in the past, being a Pan-Africanist, uh, being a student of Pan-Africanists and, and their movements, and, and um, you know, just seeing myself as part of a global African diaspora, a black collective, if you will. Um, so I have talked about it and why I don't, um, subscribe to it. I don't. I don't identify as ADOS. First of all, I haven't even found that uh, a victim of slavery in my family tree. Um, it's, it's not in my grandmother's lineage. Um, also, I, I still have to do my grandfather's lineage. And but then, uh, you know, there are people who marry into the family, and therefore you part of their their bloodlines as well. And we just haven't done all the research to find out if they are descendants of slaves. Um, but we have, excuse me, descendants of victims of slavery. Um, but a lot of us, we ain't done that research to definitively say 
Um, we have an ancestor that's in, enslaved. We, if, if the criteria, if we had to prove it today to get reparations tomorrow, a lot of us will lack that documentation. And I don't have that documentation, so I can't claim that I'm a descendant of, of a victim of slavery. Um, my family line, uh, um, um, I'm tied to this land. It goes back before the United States was ever, ever created. And, and so therefore I'm still, trying to find out more about all my all the different branches of my family tree. So, but I never identify as ADOS because of the xenophobic rhetoric and people can be in denial all they want to. I know what I saw, what I read, what I heard with my own eyes when when it first started. Um it's not like I ain't had interaction with these people. It's not like uh Yvette Carnell has not been on the Black Talk Radio network uh before. Um, she doesn't like us now. Um, you know, she talked trash about um, programs without mentioning their names, like Time for Awakening, where she was a guest several times, um, which really stresses uh, Pan-Africanism and, and unity among black people in the diaspora. Um, so, but, so it's not like I'm just speaking out my mouth about things I haven't read, things I haven't heard with my own ears and, and, you know, this whole anti-African stuff, oh, pan-Africans ain't done nothing. Um, and they ain't get us reparations. Well, you know what? Nobody's gotten us reparations. And I don't think it's because they pan-Africanists or any kind of religion that they practicing or, or whatever, um, has anything to do with it. Okay, and and so just just so uncodified, and that's why I don't gravitate. I don't gravitate towards it. And so an article has come out, and I would say that this article is very balanced, is very objective. The writer doesn't appear to be doing what you call a takedown article, but trying to ascertain the facts and what's true, what's not true. And, and what have you and so we'll go through that article but again I'm viewing this through the lens of codification codification how non-white people should operate behind the enemy lines of USA Inc or any nation that's practicing white supremacy whether it's a colonial power whether you're in Europe Australia wherever white people are in charge and where where you find white people you find white supremacists as well. And so, you know, I think because the movement started off uncodified, that that uncodification is, is coming back to bite them, but they should have seen it coming. They should have seen it coming. And so people can get defensive. That's really not my concern. I understand uh, how emotions work and people get emotional and what have you. Getting in my emotions has cost me jobs in the past. Uh, um, not being codified on the job and, and somebody did something to me and I threatened to whoop their, you know what, on the job. They went and told it and this thing, you know, I'm being right up, written up. And then I get threatened by another white person. I threaten that person and then I'm the one getting written up and they're not getting written up. And then next thing, you know, I'm out the job because I didn't know codification and how to operate, you know, how to address my complaints. Um, how to file my complaints of mistreatment without cursing somebody out, without threatening violence, 
And when I look back at that, I was like, man, I was so uncodified. No wonder I got fired. Not, not saying, you know, it was entirely my fault because they shouldn't have been mistreating me. But my reaction to that mistreatment should, should have been more, um, did not produce the results that I perhaps wanted. Well, I know I wanted, which was justice. So I didn't get justice because of the way I tried to get justice by threatening and cursing people on the jobs. And so, you know, I've gotten so much better at controlling uh, my temper because um, I really do. I have I've had a short fuse with people. I don't put up with a lot of foolishness. You're not going to do stuff to me, say stuff out the way way to me uh, without me. Um, responding in kind, but again, this is before I learned codification. This is before I matured a little bit more. Um, you know, hopefully we mature as we get older, but a lot of us don't. Let's just be honest about that. It's a lot of uncodified old people out here. Um, anyway, so that's what I want to talk about. Those are the stories. I'm going to try to get through them quick, um, and be concise. Um, if you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice to unmute yourself. Um, if I'm um, perhaps not looking at the board and you've been hanging on for some time waiting to speak, just let me know that you're there by saying my name or something. Um, but let me jump into this first story. Um, Nicki Minaj canceled uh, Saudi Arabia performance. This comes to you from National Public Radio. Now, I saw this. Um, it came out July the 9th. It was after I did my program um, where I had a segment on the things that you will encounter in Saudi Arabia and how they mistreat people over there, not just women, but if you are immigrant or migrant, because um, they import a lot of their labor. A lot of Saudi Arabians do not do manual labor. Um, they don't work on cars. They don't fix stuff they import they don't do their own laundry they they import that labor they import uh, mainly non-white people over there to uh do their labor they also import entertainment a lot of white women uh, do go there to be part of a harem and what have yes it's it's, it's prostitution or sex work whatever word you want to choose uh they would bring them over there and um, live with them on the yachts and what have you, and then uh, the rich oil sheik or whatever, or uh, you know, just make them part of their harem and, and pay them to be that. Um, so I have spent time over there, um, and so I that's why I commented on that. I mean, what? How is she gonna perform? She ain't gonna be dressed up like how she dresses here in the United States or any other Western nation or European nation, and and be up there with you know, scantily clad and shaking her booty on the stage. I was like, I, I, I would be interested to see how that's going to go down in Saudi Arabia. Or is she going to perform in a burqa? You know, because um, they do have religious police over there. All right, so let me read this article from NPR. She canceled the performance, citing human rights concerns. Um, she is known as one of hip-hop's most provocative artists, so it was surprising when she offered and that she accepted 
when she was offered and that she accepted the opportunity to headline a July music festival in Saudi Arabia, one of the world's most conservative countries, and one in which no women were permitted to give public concerts until two years ago. Now, after facing heated criticism from human rights groups, Minaj has pulled out of the July 18th event, citing her commitment to women's rights, the LGBTQ community, and freedom of expression. She was slated to headline the Jeddah World Fest in Jeddah, a city of 4 million that sits on the Red Sea. Other festival headliners included EDM star Steve Oikai, or Akai, I don't know, and former One Direction singer Liam Payne. Since her booking at the festival was announced on July 3rd, various activists, including the Human Rights Foundation, called for her and the other artists to cancel due to Saudi to the Saudi leadership's widely condemned social political policies. She gave a statement, Minaj that is, gave a statement to the Associated Press on Tuesday explaining why she had withdrawn from the festival. After better educating myself on the issue, I believe it is important for me to make clear my support for the rights of women, the LGBTQ community, and freedom of expression, Minaj said. Saudi Arabia um, this isn't her speaking. This is the art, the uh, uh, author of the article, somebody at NPR. Saudi Arabia is a country where women are required to cover up in public, where many businesses are segregated by gender, and where people who speak critically of the regime, including journalist Jamal Khashoggi, have been killed. So why would Saudi Arabia invite an artist as unapologetically explicit and sexual um, I, I would use other terms, explicit, obscene, vulgar, um, you know, just highly, highly sexualized as Nicki Minaj. Why would they even invite her to headline a festival in the second largest city? The answer is likely economic interest. About three years ago, the Saudi government announced big plans to diversify its economy away from oil and building up its entertainment options at home was one explicit strategy. Saudi citizens regularly travel abroad to the Emirates, for example, to see concerts, movies, and other forms of entertainment. So a concern for Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam's public image, that's the man who killed the journalist or ordered the journalist to be killed on both a national and international scale, may also lie behind the festival and its high-profile headliners, especially in the aftermath of Khashoggi's death. The organizers plan to broadcast the festival internationally and to make visas accessible for foreigners to attend the Jeddah World Fest. No other artists have yet withdrawn. So she could have left it at that. I did the research. Um, you know, they don't respect or have any kind of observance of individual rights um, for the individual. And I don't care if you agree with how a person chooses to live their life, as long as they're not uh, imposing um, their lifestyle or whatever it is that you disagree with on you and, and harming other people, um, then that's not your concern. Your concern should be that, that, you know, you're not doing something that intrudes on another individual rights. You ain't got to agree with people's spiritual practices, religious practices, their atheist practices or, or lack thereof of any kind of spiritual 
that's not your concern. What should concern you is only when they start harming other individuals, okay? And they kill people over there. They'll kill. They'll cut a woman's head. I mean, um, they will stone a virgin if she's not a virgin when she goes to get married. They'll bury her in the sand to until uh, 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 there's nothing showing but her head. Then they'll drop big old bricks on her head and, and rocks on her head and what have you. <coughs> like I said, very barbaric society. And but she could have left it at that. But she didn't leave it at that. She then possibly gave her real motive, and that's she's scared, and she should be scared. Um, as I told y'all, if some even U.S. soldiers, female soldiers who would go uptown and would not be fully covered, and just had as much as from their elbow down showing the um um what they call them? They have a name for them, the morality police. I call them the religious police would grab those women and then take them to the station and then paint their arms red with some red paint and then send them back on base. That's how serious they is. So uh, um, Nicki Minaj should be scared, should be scared that if she goes over there um, getting on stage half-dressed like she dresses here and shaking her butt, booty and, and cursing and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, you might have a riot on your hands. Uh, uh, it, it's it's that deep over there. It's that re, uh, uh, serious. So anyway, this article from CapitalExtra.com and there's some other articles uh, talking about it, but now she's created a con- controversy by claiming uh, using a previous experience and alleged experience with police in Jamaica following a performance as to why she's not going there now while supporting the release of ASAP Rocky I don't even know who this is uh, apparently some rapper then got locked up or something I don't know um, let me see ASAP Rocky forced to cancel July concerts due to Sweden arrest uh, let me see I don't know what who this person is apparently he's a rapper um, he has gotten arrested what has he gotten arrested for in Sweden? Let me see. Uh, I'm pulling this up. Um, he says the artist has already lost millions and canceled concerts as he remains in jail in Stockholm facing alleged assault charges. Um, so here is a rapper who has been accused of assaulting someone uh, and he is facing assault charges and apparently he is incarcerated in Sweden right now. Um, so now you got these stars that's coming out demanding that this person be released. So anyway, let me read from uh, Capital Extra. While supporting the release of ASAP Rocky, the Megatron rapper is facing backlash for a tweet she wrote documenting a previous experience with police in Jamaica following a performance. Nicki Minaj has taken to Twitter to clear the air after receiving backlash for a recent tweet on performing in Jamaica and women's rights. Um, She recently canceled a scheduled performance in Saudi Arabia following intense criticism from fans sharing their concerns over the country's human rights records. After making the announcement, Nikki took to Twitter to recount an incident in Jamaica where she claims guns were pulled on her by police as a result of her cursing on stage again. 
For y'all that want to say that, oh, that's just so outrageous. Oh, freedom of speech. I should be able to say all the MFs and all the B words and all the N words that I want to say. Well, that's uncodified. That's being very uncodified. It's also uh, being very immature and what have you. Now, we know the rap industry has purposely been perverted um, and, and the most obscene and vulgar music that you can think of, um, you know, people seem to be attracted to that and they've been making a lot of money uh, off of it, but it's, it's not codified. You know, when rap first came out, man, they wasn't cussing. They weren't saying all those things. Um, a wordsmith shouldn't need to use curse words to convey what they're trying to say. Okay, so so that might seem like something petty to you, but everybody doesn't doesn't want their society to be trash. Okay, so anyway, she said in, in a tweet, I performed in Jamaica before, and when I got off the stage, I was surrounded by police with guns drawn. That's pretty dramatic. They were all they were ready to take me to jail because they said I forgot to bleep a couple of curses. I could make one mistake and go to jail in a different country where women have no rights. And so people were taking that as she's trying to say that Jamaican women don't have rights and that they're oppressed just like women are oppressed on the same level as women in Saudi Arabia. And that's not true. Just simply because they have rules against cursing, you you really can't do that in the United States, but they don't enforce it. You go stand in the middle of the mall and be cursing people out and what have you and see what's going to happen. You're going to get arrested, and if you don't resist arrest and, and, or maybe just accept a ticket or whatnot, you're going to get fined for, for your conduct. Okay, I don't know why people think we have a right to just say any old thing in any kind of way. All right? So, um, anyway, she she says that, and she's making this claim that these cops pointed guns at her for cursing and was ready to take her to jail. Now, I find that hard to believe. It could have happened, but I'm one to think that if it did happen, it would have been headline news all over the world. There would be photographic evidence. And she said she left the stage. These cops surrounded her. These Jamaican cops surrounded her with guns drawn over some curse words. And what, what people, and this is the response of what some people had to say. What does this have to do with this dude named Rocky out there who is facing assault charges in Sweden. What that got to do with it? Um, another person, this doesn't make any sense. After the Sunfest performance in 2011, you were fined 10 US dollars, just $10 for using expletives on stage. You tweeted, I had the time of my life at Reggae Sunfest. Jamaica, I fell in love tonight. Please do not compare Jamaica to Saudi Arabia. So again, that doesn't sound like a tweet I had the time of my life at Reggae Sunfest of a person who just experienced a traumatic experience who had all these cops surround her and point guns at her for cursing. Okay, so she would just simply find $10 for cursing which she probably already knew that that's what would happen. So I'm a curse anyway. I'm not going to respect their customs. I'm not going to respect their society. I'm just going to, 
uh, act like how, 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 oh man, I'm about to say N words, but these people identify themselves as N words, but I'm just going to act like an N word in America and just be all uncodified in my behavior because my code of conduct, I don't have one. Okay. It's do whatever I feel like doing, say whatever I want to say and what have you. That's their code. Uh, anyway, that doesn't sound logical to me that there should be some evidence. So um, another Jamaican said that Nicki Minaj tweet is dangerous. There are probably millions of people who believe women in Jamaica have no rights. However, we lead the world in empowering women. You are more than likely to have a female boss in Jamaica than any other country. Um, then it goes on. To, it, it gave, he even gave some statistics, which where are women most likely to be your boss? And Jamaica's number one, Colombia's number two, St. Lucia's number three, Philippines number four, Panama five, uh, Belarus six, Latvia is seven, Guatemala eight, Bahamas nine, and Moldova is number 10. The United States is down at number 15. So, I mean, he came with his receipts, right? So anyway, another uh, uh, Jamaican woman said, as a Jamaican woman, I would love for you to explain how we have no rights here. Um, then she, Nicki Minaj posted another uh, tweet attempting to clarify her comments. The rapstress who has claimed to have love for Jamaica previously resided in Trinidad and Tobago prior to her move to New York and was born to Trinidadian parents. Um, let me see. Um, for the people in the back, I wasn't saying Jamaica doesn't have women rights, she wrote. I gave an example of what happened in Jamaica to explain how easy it would be to do one thing wrong in Saudi Arabia because I'm not aware of every single rule and be locked up. Everyone knows I love Jamaica, so S-T-F-U means shut the F up. So, wow, man, she can't even take... She can't even take criticism. None of these people use curse words towards her. They ain't cuss her out. They just asked for an explanation and said, you know, what did this got to do with what women's going through um, in Saudi Arabia? Because um, you got fined $10 for cursing on stage. For cursing on stage. And again, I don't believe her. I need to see some receipts. I need to see, you know, uh, pictures of these uh, Jamaican police officers pointing guns at her because she was cursing. Do y'all really believe that? I don't believe that. I don't believe that for one minute. I really don't. So why is she lying about it? Why didn't she just leave it at, I did my research, women in Saudi Arabia are, are, are second class citizens, they're mistreated, they don't have rights, non-white people, period, are brought in there to work. She probably didn't do that much research, you know, on, on what... Uh, immigrants go through in Saudi Arabia from Africa, from the Philippines, from um, India, uh, different nations, uh, especially poor nations. Uh, they go there to be maids and what have you. They get raped. They get killed. They just get mistreated all around. So none of that has anything to do with her cursing on stage and, and what have you and, uh, and uh, you know, comparing um, her cursing on stage to stuff that women go through in Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's just, it's just, oh, she's so uncodified. So, so uncodified. Oh, man. Anyway, 
moving on. Again, she should have just left it at, hey, I, I have certain values where I respect people's human rights. The, the Saudi government doesn't share those values. Therefore, um, I'm not going to uh, go. I'm going to turn down their invitation and, and send them their money back. And, and, and I stand in solidarity with the oppressed people of Saudi Arabia. No, 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 no. See, that's the real thing. It isn't, that's what she came out with. And somebody probably wrote that for her. But her real reason is she's scared. She's scared that perhaps she is so habitually raunchy in, in, in the way she presents herself that she can get arrested just walking down the street in Saudi Arabia. Okay? So I'm going to move on from, from this story. Um, man. Let's talk about this African-American woman. I'm assuming she's African-American or quote-unquote ADOS. I don't know that. She, I don't think she screamed ADOS for life as she was beating this woman down on the subway. Um, it's reported that she's drunk, but based off of her words at this uh, woman, um, this Latino woman on the subway, based on her words, I would say she is either African-American who subscribes to ADOS or African-American who is a Trump fan. It's got to be one of the two. Uh, for her to be using this type of language in her drunken assault on this woman um, who were minding her own business, her and her friend who were uh, leaving work and um, got attacked and beat down on the subway. And so now this person was uncodified, drunk in public, and now arrested, probably in Rikers, or some other facility, and who knows if she has a record, she could be looking at a couple of years or more in prison because of her uncodification and because she doesn't understand white supremacy. You know, I used to get annoyed when people would say that to me about whenever I have a disagreement with them about how to uh, deal with a racist situation or, 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 or just something we disagree with. And they'll say, instead of showing me in a logical way where I was wrong and, and, and what they were proposing made more sense, they would just simply get frustrated and say, oh, if you don't understand right, white supremacy, everything else you think you understand will only confuse you. You know, a quote from Mr. Fuller. Um, and I was like, I, I was really turned off by that um, because is I'm older than you. I've been on this world, uh, in this world, um, living around and observing white people far longer than you, at least 30, 40 years longer than you. Some of them 25 years, some of them maybe 10 years. So just to simply dismiss me as saying I don't understand white supremacy, that that's a that's a cop out. That why don't you just say I don't have a response to your answer and I'll come back when I have more information or here is the information that you should consider um, that might make you change your position. No, they just want to shut down the dialogue and say, Oh, you just simply don't understand white supremacy. But I have to say, say that I do get it now. I do get why some people say that just not why they say it to me. Oh, it's only been like a couple of people over the years who said that. So let me not give the impression that people are always saying I don't understand white supremacy. Um, but I do get why Mr. Fuller said that. 
Because apparently, this African-American woman doesn't understand white supremacy and who's in charge of handing out jobs and that they can give jobs to whoever they want to give jobs to. And then she's making an assumption, and even in the military, um, my black drill sergeant, um, what was uh, his name? I can't think of his name. His face is forever etched in my in my in my memory because he gave me some fatherly advice, and, and you know he was just a cool dude who was trying to help, saw potential in me, and tried to uh, cultivate that potential. And he paid me a little bit more attention than he paid other soldiers and whatnot. He, he was like a father figure or a big brother figure because I. I, I yeah, he, he could have been. He was old enough to be my dad. No, no, he wasn't. He was probably in his 30s, and I was like 20. I was 20 at the time, so he was probably about 38, somewhere around there. But he said, Scotty, don't assume things. Well, Reed, that's what they call you by your last name. He's like, Reed, don't be assuming stuff. And you know why? And I was like, why, Drill Sergeant? He was like, because when you make assumptions, you make a ass out of you and me. So if you get to play on words there, ass, and then you, then me. Assume. Don't assume because you're making an ass out of both of us when you turn out to be wrong because you don't have all the information. I'll never forget that. So here is an article. I didn't write this article. Um, this article is uncodified in that it's engaged in, in name calling. It's an article written by Thomas Tracy and Molly Crane Newman. Um, they are name calling this woman. Um, the woman who did the assaulting says the flame hair creep. Now that ain't necessary in your writing. That's not very professional. You don't need to call people out their names and, and what have you. This is not very professional. Um, but I know it's the norm in this country. We love to call each other names and what have you. Uh, when we get mad, when we get our emotions, um, it's just easy to just dehumanize people with names. So anyway, it says the woman who beat a woman with her own hard hat doing a racist tirade in the Bronx had a bottle of booze and was clearly under the influence. The traumatized victim told the Daily News. First of all, this wasn't a racist tirade. I can see why people might be confused about that. This was a xenophobic tirade. This wasn't a racist tirade. Hispanic is not a race. Okay, Hispanic just simply means a person who speaks Spanish or a part of a culture or nation that's centered around speaking Spanish. That's what it means. It, it, because you have Afro-descended people who are, are live in Mexico and other southern nations, um, excuse me, uh, South American nations that speak Spanish. Uh, in Brazil, they speak Portuguese, which isn't Spanish, but... Um, you hear a person speaking Portuguese, you might think they speak in Spanish. So they're even using words incorrectly. This wasn't a racist tirade. This was a xenophobic tirade because she assumed that this woman is an immigrant. This is what the woman said. Effing Hispanics, go back to your country. The woman who is black seethed as she attacked the 54-year-old victim on a Manhattan-bound number two train at about 4.15 a.m. 
Tuesday morning, cops said, you come here to take our jobs, she screamed. And, and it's on video. The victim, a contractor who lived in the Bronx for 34 years, told the news that she and a friend were on their way home from working on a Bestos treatment for the Metropolitan Transportation Authority when they crossed paths with their assailant. She was watching us, said the victim, who asked to remain anonymous. She had a little bottle of alcohol. Soon, the angry woman began antagonizing them, which lasted for a good 10 minutes, the victim said. When the victim's co-worker tried to intervene, the attacker allegedly screeched, you're going to defend this effing B-word? So that right there, reading in between the lines, I'm not making an assumption, I'm making a guess. Um, that tells me that the co-worker who tried to intervene and then with the black woman, African-American woman, asking her, why are you defending this this woman? Why are you defending this effing B word? That tells me that it was possibly a non-white person, um, maybe another black woman uh, or a black man. I don't know. It doesn't say the gender. Or maybe this was a white person with a Trump hat on, you know, a Make America Great hat on. I don't know. I don't know if this woman has gotten this rhetoric from the xenophobic elements in ADOS or if she's been a fan of Trump and is a follower of people, black people like, uh, what's her name, Candace Owens and what have you. Um, so I, I, the woman, the victim wants to be anonymous. We probably won't get too much more information about her. She could have been of Puerto Rican nationality, Puerto Rican origin, which makes her a U.S. citizen in the oppressed colony of Puerto Rico, where they do speak Spanish, um, where the United States went in in a war uh, with, with, with the Spanish, the Spanish-American War. That was part of the spoils of war. The uh, uh, Puerto Rican inhabitants had no choice uh, which powerful white supremacy was going to rule their nation or didn't have an option to get their autonomy. They did have an independence freedom fighting movement um, and some of those people were murdered and some of them were in prison. So just because somebody's speaking Spanish don't mean that they are immigrant. Um, they could have been uh, um, descendants of those uh, uh, Mexicans, Spanish-speaking people in California when California was part of Mexico and then uh, uh, the U.S. Army pushed out west, including African-Americans and took that land from from them and pushed them down into Mexico. Could have been in Texas. They could be descendants of people that was in Texas when the uh, white supremacists uh, started a false flag war with Mexico and then defeated them at uh, after getting a butt whipped at the Alamo, um, but they won the larger war. And now Texas is part of the United States or what have you. Just because a person speaks Spanish does not mean that uh, uh, they're immigrants. Doesn't mean that. You know, there are indigenous people who speak Spanish because that is the tongue of the people who colonized them. All right. So, you know, it's just it's just a lack of information, a lack of uh, uh, study. I see people saying stuff are racist or and I'm like, that's not a race. African-American isn't even a race. It's a nationality. 
It's a nationality distinguishing African descendant people from German Americans, from Japanese Americans, from Chinese Americans. The reason that they say African is because they, all of us don't know where our ancestors came from in Africa when they was put on them boats. We know it was probably on the western coast of Africa, but in terms of the tribe, in terms of the ethnic group, in terms of the nation they can't we don't know that. So that's why we that's why Jesse Jackson came up with African American. Okay? That's not a race. It is it is a nationality that says that I'm an African descendant person with a citizenship in the United States. So Again, people use words incorrectly. I don't hold that against them. I just try to share, if they're receptive, the proper information, the proper definition of the words that they're using. You know, I don't blame them. I blame whoever educated them. All right, so the um, lady said she said to her friend who tried to defend her from this drunken xenophobic tirade, tirade, I said to my friend, say nothing. Don't provoke her, the victim recalled. She spoke in Spanish and her comments were translated by the news. So she was saying this to her Spanish-speaking friend. Don't say anything. Don't provoke her. Before long, the woman snatched the victim's hard hat from her bag. She was hitting me in the face and the head, the victim said, shouting racist things. I've never, I've never had a problem with anyone, black, white, but this woman, she was drunk or on drugs. I don't know. I work at night, but nothing like this has happened before, she told the news. Once the train stopped, the the woman ran off, the raging woman. Police released a picture of her on Wednesday in the hope someone will recognize her. The victim was treated at Einstein Hospital for bruising and back pain. Her attack is being investigated as a possible hate crime, cops said. I was just lucky she did not kill me. All right, so this is something that I see a lot of black victims of racism are confused about. They think that hate crime law, laws and legislation only apply to white supremacists and white people acting racist. It don't. It don't. See, again, you don't make the laws. You don't make the laws. And and so, therefore, you're not in charge to apply the laws. But hate crime is when, like the civil rights. The civil rights wasn't just about the rights of African Americans. It was also about the, the rights of, of women to be free from discrimination. That's why it says uh, sex in there. A national origin, um, people being mistreated that come here that weren't white, non-white immigrants, White immigrants have always been welcomed and benefited from Jim Crow laws and white supremacy. The non-white immigrants, like from the Caribbean and what have you, they were subjected to the same racist laws and treatment of white people. So in the Civil Rights Act of 64, it also mentions national origin. Oh, also, it talks about religion. We see how people don't like Muslims or what have you. They don't like people they perceive to be Muslims like, but they may be practicing of some uh, East Indian religion. But because they got a turban on, oh, you must be Muslim. So, I mean, um, you can be charged with a hate crime if you attack someone while saying any of those things. If, if she perceived this person to be Muslim and been yelling, um, you people, 
um, you know, Mohammed was a, a pedophile and, and y'all need to go back to your asshole country. You know, repeating what Donald Trump said. You know, she could be charged with a hate crime. It's just unlikely that she would. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, uh, yeah, she would be if she beat somebody down like this. And she still may not be charged with a hate crime and just be charged with assault. It just depends on the prosecutor, how zealous the prosecutor want to be in their prosecution. But this is just so uncodified. This is so uncodified. First of all, you drunk in public. We don't make good decisions when we are under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Then you made an assumption about the woman simply off of her, based on her opinion and based on the language that she was using on the bus. You're going to really imitate the behavior of white supremacists, these racist white people we see telling um, uh, people speaking Spanish, to, hey, speak American, and American ain't even a, 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 a language. What they meant to say was speak English and all, you in my country. Are we really taking on the characteristics of the oppressor of the of the uh, wide world? You know, because white supremacy is the most dominant religion in the world, the most dominant form of mistreatment. And so are we really going to emulate these people saying the stuff that they say? attacking the people that they attack why would you do something like that do you, do you think that means that Trump fans and white supremacists suspected racists gonna see you as an ally now yeah yo they'll cheer you on they'll be like at a girl at a girl get that get that spit get that spit at a girl that's yeah yeah you American God bless America and, and all that nonsense and what have you come on now I don't know if this black woman has a child at home. I don't know if she's the sole provider for her family, if she has one. But now just think about the problems that she's bringing, not on herself, but also on her family by being uncodified and yelling xenophobic um, um, phrases at this complete stranger who you don't know anything about. You don't know nothing about this woman. But now, here you looking at the threat of going into prison slavery because you attack another human being simply because of the language that they speak, talking about they're taking my jobs. Um, let me see, where does it, where does it say that? Ed? Um, I mean, beating this woman down with a hard hat with her own hard hat wow that's just but it talks about uh yeah talk, taking our jobs that sounds like something trump say that sounds like something yvette carnell has said about african immigrants and the migrants on on coming across on the board don't understand the concept um because they don't probably never read mr fuller's book the compensatory uh, uh textbook or workbook and saying, you know, Africans is coming over here taking stuff that, that the white man's supposed to be setting aside for me and what have you. And then what is it? Now non-white people are squabbling with each other. And I'm going to get to number 10. I'm going to read 
the section number 10 of the 10 basic stops the victims of racism should practice in speech or action. Before I end this broadcast, um, they'll let me know when this contract to come here. Um, but yeah, I'm going to read that because it talks about complaining about non-white people, squabbling with non-white people over crumbs from masses table and then going to white people, white supremacists like Donald Trump or anybody else who's anti-immigration and be like, yeah, get them spits or get them whatever derogatory name they may use. They ain't ADOS. They ain't American. And and yeah, lock them babies up and snatch them out the arms of their parents and, and all of that. They shouldn't have came here. These are things I've seen. I'm not making this up. These are things I've seen. People using the hashtag are saying these things. It's so uncodified. And then when Twitter kick you off, then you're going to be complaining about that. You're going to be complaining about, see, this is how they treat us with taking no responsibility in your own language, your own behavior, and your own lack of codification. What are you trying to accomplish? If I'm trying to accomplish something, I'm going to be codified. I'm not going to engage in name calling. I'm not going to be attacking non-white people and, and acting like they taking something from me that I didn't even create in the first place. That's like me saying, the white man created these jobs for me. I'm dependent on the white man to make money and survive in this world. Well, that may be true, but you now are expressing your dependence on the white man to give you what you, what you quote unquote need. And when has he ever done that? When has he ever done that? Now, now non-white people, instead of banding together to produce justice and overthrow the system of white supremacy in the nine areas of people activity, now we're squabbling with each other. And some of us are aligning ourselves with the white supremacists. So I'm going to take a station identification break. Um, I just need to check, make sure this um, that uh, my family members know um, on air and to just signal me when this contract to get here looks like he's going to be late anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, that is, I hope that this woman doesn't go into prison slavery. If she's in Rikers, she's already there even before being sentenced. Um, but they'll probably offer her a plea deal. I don't know what a record looks like. I don't know if she's done these things before. I, I don't know. But I hope she doesn't end up in prison slavery because prison slavery helps no one. They don't rehabilitate people. They don't teach them codification. They don't equip them with job skills. And while I'm talking about jobs, I thought about this last night as I thought about doing this program. But after I, I state this, I'm going to take a short break and go check on some things and, and play some message music for you. But think about this. Is it logical to say that unemployment for black people is at an all-time low. And then you saying you crediting Donald Trump. He's certainly crediting himself. Although we know that the unemployment numbers that they give us doesn't represent the real unemployment numbers. Um, so, but let's say you buy into the fact that 
lot of, you know, because this was cited by a lot of black people why they like Clinton. Because I had a job, man. Everybody was working. Everybody had was working and, and things was good. I was eating good during the Clinton administration. Why? Knowing the fact that they was putting all these people that looked like us in the prison slavery. But anyway, so they're saying that unemployment for all people in the United States is at record lows, all-time record lows. How then can you then say that somebody coming over here taking our jobs when unemployment is at record lows and they say for black people so either the US government is lying either Donald Trump is lying about unemployment rates being so low um, you know uh, but then we can also question well what what are these jobs paying are they paying a living wage do I gotta have two jobs just to have somewhere to live decent to be able to live decently I gotta work you know, 12 hours a day, 18 hours a day, something like that, you know, but I, it just dawned on me. You, this black woman out here taking, saying that somebody who speaks Spanish, who she knows nothing about where she came from, where she was born. She been living in, in the Bronx for 30 something years, almost 40 years. But to say that they taking our jobs, you're taking our jobs. Well, I, I'm like, well, dang, I thought they said unemployment was at an all-time low. Why you don't have a job? See, I don't buy their unemployment, their low unemployment uh, numbers. I, I don't buy because I know people who quit, who after their unemployment insurance runs out, they're kicked off the rolls, and that doesn't mean they found a job. They're just not on the rolls anymore so I just think it's a little illogical to be complaining it makes it seem illogical to complain about somebody taking my jobs when the Trump administration is telling us unemployment numbers at the lowest historical rate ever just something to think about but again I hope this woman doesn't end up in prison slavery I hope that she's put into a diversionary program and you know what? Here's an afterthought for those, you know, because I work with organizations that grassroots organizations that provide services and, and you know, these programs where they'll work with the criminal justice system to where you won't get sentenced to jail, but you'll get sentenced to community service and completion of a program. How about some organization that sets up a program teaching codification, anti-racism codification, anti-white supremacy codification. How about a program that teaches the 10 basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech and or action? That might minimize the number of people who are going right back into prison slavery because they get out and they're not equipped with the skills to deal um, with the things, the obstacles that they face in a nation still practicing slavery and white supremacy. Just a thought, just a thought. I know I'm way overdue for my break. Oh man, I'm, I'm just kind of out of it uh, right now, but um, I'm going to take a break. I will check the phone lines to see because I have not even been looking at the board, but I'll check the phone lines and see if we have any uh, callers who might want to share 
um, different perspective or um, share some evidence that supports my call for codification. Okay, so just just very terrible story of uh, two nine white people, and I'm no Scotty. What it? drill sergeant tell you about making assumptions. I'm not going to assume that this person that was speaking Spanish was non-white because you have white people uh, who speak Spanish. So I'm not going to assume that she's non-white, but I, I tell you though, man, um, that that was just very incorrect behavior and I don't see how anybody um, could justify it. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I broadcast Monday through Friday starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. means 
because it's evil. Well, white supremacy is a system. And what does white supremacy really mean? It just doesn't mean somebody being in charge. No one should care about who's in charge of anything. If the person is not mistreating people, white supremacy is about mistreating people based on what? Based on the color in the skin of those people who are being mistreated. That's all it is. It's a form of mistreatment. There are all kinds of mistreatment in the world, but that's the greatest form of mistreatment. That's why it's supreme, because it's the greatest form of mistreatment. If you want to look for mistreatment of the people anywhere on the planet, most people are being mistreated based on color. That's what it is. Mm. You know, if it's just two people on earth, I mean, one person might mistreat another person just because the person is jealous or envious or something. There's all kinds of ways to mistreat people for all kinds of reasons. But this business about racism is about mistreating people based on color. No, it really isn't. Because, see, people are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. See, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. Well, that's what you're really aiming for. Being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice. And being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice, except you mean in, you believe in non-justice. And that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was or anything like that or what so-called nationality you have, like a lot of people say that they take pride in being an Englishman, or take pride in being a Frenchman, or take pride in being Afrocentric. Well, you're not supposed to be proud of any of those things if you don't believe in justice, because these words mean nothing. No nationality means anything. And, And waving a flag if you don't believe in not mistreating people. You've got to believe in not mistreating people, and you've got to believe in helping people that need help the most. Otherwise, you don't even have any business breathing. And welcome back to BTR News. Actually, uh, the guy that's coming out here to give us the free estimate is already here and taking his measurements. And um, I'm good. I'm good to go. That's all he's going to do is take the measurements and then call us back with estimates, so I'm good to go. I'll take as much time as I need to get through uh, today's program. Um, let me clear up some of this stuff that's on my browser as my browser's locking up. Um, sometimes you go to these websites and they have all these ads and scripts running, and it causes your browser to lock up, so I'm unable to get to my material there. It just closed. Um, so let me get there. I said I was going to check the lines. Let me... Um, Make sure I haven't been disconnected uh, from our con- our board. Yeah, I'm still connected to the board, so everything's good there. All right, so let me move to this story right here. Again, codification is is very key. If you don't have a moral code uh, from spiritual practices that you use, if you have an aversion 
to any type of religion, I would recommend that you adopt the religion of counter-racism. Um, you know, a set of principles that you believe can minimize uh, the effects of white supremacy on you, but also um, so that you can be uh, better equipped to produce justice instead of practicing injustice, as we just talked about in this last story. That's not producing justice, calling somebody a effing uh, B word and claiming they're taking your jobs and, and, and then, you know, beat the woman with a hard hat. That's not codified. That's not going to produce justice. What, what did it produce? It produced an arrest and a person looking at being enslaved in the modern day slavery system here in the United States. So anyway, an article came out about ADOS and people have asked me, well, what are my thoughts and what have you? And I'm, I'm you know, pretty much not said much. Uh, except that I don't agree with this element. I don't agree with that element. It goes against my beliefs as a Pan-Africanist. Um, it also sounds a bit right-wingy right wingy and white supremacy. Um, so, no, um, I, I don't think I'll be adopting that hashtag or referring to myself as ADOS. I have long identified as a black man hint, uh, belonging to a black community, an African-descendant people who are part of a larger population of African descendant people uh, uh, dispersed all over the world um, but the most of them reside in Africa. Um, I identify as a black man who has citizenship in uh, the United States of America Incorporated. Um, that's how I identify. Okay, so but I've been recognized that it was a lot of uncodified people that were latching on. Um, it started at the top, uh, xenophobic language, anti-African language, particularly uh, language directed at Nigerians. And, you know, I, I just, it don't resonate. That kind of stuff don't resonate with me um, because of my background, because of my principles, and um, because I tried to run a codified network. Um, so anyway, I, I posted yesterday about this, and I said because people identifying now as ADOS, where they might have identified as African American or Black before, but now they're adopted this term, this hashtag, to describe themselves as ADOS, which stands for American Descendants of Slaves. But I, at the beginning, had pointed out uh, to uh, what's the guy's name, Antonio Moore, that. Nah, we shouldn't call people slaves. Those were victims of slavery. Um, I remember an elder getting on to me about using it, calling people slaves, uh, including our ancestors. No, they were enslaved. They were captive. They were kidnapped victims. They were victims of slavery. Um, let's not use the, the oppressor's terms or names for our ancestors. No, these were victims. These were freedom fighters. These were abolitionists. Okay, these were, were were anything but slaves. They were enslaved. That's what was done to them. That's not who they are. So, you know, that may seem minor to some people. And it did seem minor to me when an uh, elder was first trying to get through to me. And But then I thought about it, thought about it. I was like, she right. I could change my language and call them victims of slavery instead of slaves. All right, so anyway, I said codification is about 
not so much as what you are saying, as long as what you're saying is trying to produce justice, but also how you say it. I mean, that's an old, old saying, really. It's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. It's not so much about me confronting that white person, suspected racist on my job about hiding um, uh, folders from me to prevent me from doing my job and slow slow up the uh, production that I had achieved. He wanted to slow me down, hiding the folders and stuff from me so I couldn't find them when I came on my ship to then, you know, do the formulas up and, and then... Um, do the dye formulas and then dye the material to make sure it hit the uh, mark that we were looking for for a particular color. It's not that I was wrong for confronting him over that. What was wrong was that I told him that if you don't stop holding, hiding these folders from me, I know what you're doing. I'm going to whoop your you know what. I cursed him. I used a curse word. And I looked at him with with a serious face like I'm serious I whoop your you know what up in here you keep trying to sabotage my work that was totally incorrect for me to do I got written up for it cause he went crying to the white people in charge he's white so of course they gonna take his job his side and and but I was incorrect I was incorrect I did curse him out I did threaten him um, they didn't call the police on me he didn't file charges on me so I just signed a little reprimand or whatever then I get threatened by a white boy on my job that's under my supervision because he wasn't on his job. He was out hanging out in the parking lot trying to push up on this white woman. I'm like, your machine's in here going off. And then he threatened me, and I was more codified in that instance. Um, so I called the supervisor and let him know that, hey, this new guy, um, you know, he's out in the parking lot. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. And then he threatened me. Do you think they fired that white boy or even wrote him up? If they wrote him up, I don't know about it. But when I went to Human Resources to speak to them about it, um, same people that had just reprimanded me for cussing out a white boy, um, they did nothing. They did nothing. Nothing whatsoever. So even though I was codified, but because of my history of uncodification, they wasn't trying to hear it. They was looking at it like, dang, Scotty can't get along with people on the job. So codification is not about how, what you say and why you're even saying it, but it's about how you say it. Name calling, being discourteous, discourteous, publicly cursing people out or squabbling with other black people and non-white people, spreading gossip. It's not a winning formula to attracting support. And, and what support are we looking for? Well, we're looking for support for reparations. So if I'm trying to attract support for reparations, why would I be targeting non-white people or immigrants? They're not the ones that owe me reparations. In fact, they're owed reparations by the U.S. government for what the U.S. government did in their home countries. See, when you don't have a worldview, when you don't know what's going on in the world and you don't look, for the reasons why people might be picking up and leaving their homelands and what have you, um, then you're going to lack a lot of information. Then you're going to make ignorant comments like, you're taking our jobs. It's not your job. You didn't create that job. You're arguing with another white person. You're squabbling, asking white supremacists to give you the job over another white person. That's it. That's not codified.
And then, you know, attacking Kamala Harris. Now, Kamala Harris should be attacked. Well, let me put it this way. Her records should be attacked. She has an atrocious record of supporting wrongful convictions, of supporting the uh, 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 lack of oversight for police, um, just a whole lot of stuff. Keeping people in prison who the Supreme Court said y'all should let them people go. It's unconstitutional what you're doing to them. Having them uh, packed in like sardines. Some of these people are low-level offenders. Let them go. Let them go. They're in there for nonviolent drug crimes or smoking weed or, or possessing weed or whatever. And y'all have legalized weed. So let them people out so you can ease over crowd. And that's not what she did. She contracted with a private prison company to uh, uh, take those prisoners um, instead of letting them out. So her record is one that is easily attacked if you're trying to tell black people that she don't deserve your support because she has been a part of the system that targets black people. Now, some seems simple enough, right? But then when you start saying stuff like she's not black, she's not really black, she's not ADOS, her father is a slave owner. Her father comes from slave owners. See, now you're getting into ridiculous, uncodified comments that open you up for attacks. Okay? It opens you up for attacks. Um, who are you to determine what how another person identifies? Okay? Who are you? The fact is her mother and her father were in the civil rights movement not saying that they was doing it because they cared about black people. Although, if you look at his picture, he looked like any other light-skinned African-American you would see walking down the street. The dude got an afro. But they, when they came here, they were subjected to the same racist laws in, in all the different people activity areas. They were subjected to racism in housing, racism in education, racism in public accommodations, because what? They weren't white. They were non-white. And white supremacists don't care about anything other than you be not being one of them. Okay? And so making these assumptions that, oh, the only reason they joined this, that, or the other was because it was going to benefit them. Well, as non-white people, they would benefit them to not have uh, laws in place that uh, legalize racism and white supremacy. Of course it's going to help them. What is What kind of attack is that on somebody? But then I was thinking also, you want to say that he, his great-great-grandfather or where, you know, great-great-grandfather was a slave owner. Well, guess what? Many of ADOS have uh, people in their family tree that were slavers that were raping their ancestors and having sex with them. So technically, you the descendant of a slave owner too or a person who enslaved human beings. So just because somebody's ancestor three generations ago, two generations ago, four generations ago was a slaver, that don't, hey, slavery was outlawed by the prime this person was born in Jamaica. So, again, these are ridiculous attacks. They have nothing to do with obtaining reparations. The people who owe you reparations are the people who benefit from white supremacy. The people who are still practicing slavery, because slavery was never abolished. That, that's who you should reserve your attacks for. 
in a codified way. And then you got to question yourself when right-wing racists have adopted your hashtag and then even high-profile racists, suspected white supremacists, are saying, I like what you're doing. That should cause you to do some reflection about what you're doing, okay? But again, some of them are seeking them, seeking white supremacists to be their allies. Let me read this story from Slate.com. It is a left-leaning blog. Um, I read this article, and I thought it was pretty fair and objective. It was written by Rochelle Hampton. A movement or a troll is what she is writing about. She says, why claims that Kamala Harris is not an American black are suddenly everywhere? Okay, we we know this whether you want to call her black or not. She's non-white. And she was born in the United States, so that makes her a non-white citizen. Kamala Harris is not an American black. She's half Indian and half Jamaican. Um, read, read one of a dozen similar tweets questioning Harris's identity set in the moments after she, while confronting Joe Biden's record of opposing desegregation, recalled being bused to schools as a little girl. So what does her not being American black, as to use their language, have to do with her being bused? See, she, if she was, if her family wasn't in segregated housing and subjected to segregated schooling, then she wouldn't have been busted at all. Another read, Kamala Harris is not black and featured a photo of Harris with Kamala Dolezal emblazoned across her face, referencing Rachel Dolezal, a white woman who claims to be transracially black. Yet another read, Kamala Harris is applying she is descended from American black slaves. She's not. She comes from Jamaican slave owners. That's fine. She's not an American black period. So nowhere in her exchange with Joe Biden did she imply that I'm the descendants of victims of slavery. Never implied that whatsoever. How does that imply that by saying while you was out there working with segregationists and racists, I was a little girl being bused to a school because of racial segregation. What does that have to do with, with, with being an American black? or the descendant of slaves. That's not implying that. And I called Antonio Moore to the carpet for for uh, even suggesting such a thing. That's fake news. She didn't say that. That last one written by black right-wing provocateur Ali Alexander was retweeted by none other than Donald Trump Jr. Along with the question, is this true? Wow. No, it wasn't true. She never implied that she was ADOS she implied that she was a victim of segregation. That she had to be bust because of racism, white supremacy in the people activity area of education. That's all she implied. Plenty of non-ADOS people were subjected to Jim Crow. Latinos were lynched by the thousands. They were also paid less than white people. They were also discriminated against in employment. Chinese Immigrants were banned from even coming in the country because white people was talking about they taking our jobs and, and what have you on the railroad. Um, they ain't really say nothing about the black convict slave labor um, that came uh, uh, roll, um, that was erected after 
the 13th Amendment where they told us they abolished slavery, but they just moved it to the prison plantation. They, you know, they, they, they didn't have a problem with those black people, but they didn't want them Chinese working on the railroad. And there were laws passed by the federal government to prevent. So like what Donald Trump is doing today. We don't want these non-white people, possibly Muslims, African, coming here. We'd rather have them Norwegian immigrants, them white immigrants and what have you. And and, and so, oh man, it's just crazy, man. And I and that dude Ali Alexander, I did do a Google search. This is a troll. You don't know who this person is. He doesn't have a real photo of himself. You look at his timeline. Um, he just recently created the account. Only has a few followers. And then another clue was is that people using ADOS or accounts using ADOS were retweeting the same thing, changing a word here or there. Those were likely white people. Those were white people. Racist, suspected racist. White supremacists causing confusion and encouraging non-white people to squabble. And I'm going to get to Mr. Fuller's uh, writings about uh, squabbling that comes from his textbook. Uh, let me continue to read. At first glance, the tweets questioning Harris Black bona fides took a, up, up, look a piece with the racist birther conspiracies conspiracies levied against Barack Obama when he ran for president. The tweets are an effort to paint her as an imposter, and indeed there's evidence the Kamala Dolezal memes originated in the same toxic spheres as the birther movement. But a quick look at the bios and tweets of people who have most vocally vocally and consistently questioned Harris' blackness and her ability to speak to the experience of black Americans, most frequently not uh most frequently feature not the mega hashtag, but another one, ADOS, or American Descendants of Slaves. According to one theory, accounts that use ADOS are a sinister collection of Russian bots and trolls sowing misinformation and apathy towards Democratic candidates in the run-up to the 2020 election. Or they're a facade for native white supremacists who are trying to drive a wedge between American black descendants of slaves and black immigrants. Or maybe they're a real vocal group of black critics silenced by moderate liberals who refuse to brook any criticism of candidates like Harris. Whatever the case, they've attracted powerful black opponents like rapper Talib Quelly, who I have told him, man, I don't know why you keep going back and forth. These people are part calling you out your name, threatening violence towards you, talking about your daughter and your family, um, issuing threats, trying to bait you into you getting kicked off of Twitter or saying something incorrect that they can then use against you. Um, it also says actress Yvette Nicole Brown and MSNBC host by Joy Ann Reed, who I do not like. And I did push back against her trying to frame them as bots because that was before bots had, had been used to infiltrate and hijack or, or the movement for white supremacists um, gain because it helps their agenda. Um, but I, I was like, I know these people ain't bots. I know when it started. Um, these are real people. So just dismissing them as bots and trying to play on that Russian conspiracy theory about they interfered in the election. No, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying. These aren't bots. Um, you know, um, they're real people. Um, but now, you know, some of them are bots. 
um, lots of bots have been found in, in using that hashtag. Um, it says that also the real story of AOS is unsurprisingly more complicated than any of these parties want to acknowledge. The AOS hashtag was created by Antonio, by attorney Antonio Moore, a former prosecutor uh, in LA, putting helping white people put people into prison slavery, and political commentator Yvette Carnell. Neither of them is a bot or a Russian. In interviews with The Intercept in the aftermath of the Democratic debate that brought the hashtag to the fore, Moore and Carnell both dismissed criticism like Reeves as an effort to undermine authentic black advocacy in order to prop up the Democratic establishment. But see, here's the thing. It's about, it's about what you say, how you saying it, and if it's so, if it's a sole focus is supposed to be confronting white supremacy and getting reparations that are owed to the descendants of victims of slavery, then why do you, why have I heard both of them say xenophobic things about African immigrants, Caribbean immigrants, and, and people who don't agree with them? Why attack Pan-Africanism, which is simply the philosophy of black people working together to confront uh, the oppressor, the global system of white supremacy. What, what does pushing for reparations and trying to get a check or anything else, why do you need to attack other non-white people in your advocacy for yourself? Are you trying, it makes it look like you're trying to show yourself friends of racist and white supremacists and say, I'm not like them. I'm American. So I need you to do this for me and I'll support you mistreating uh, these people that you've been displacing all over the world by bombs, by rockets from your drones, by uh, supporting death squads to overthrow their socialist nation. Um, yeah, um, I, I'll, I'll back you on that. I will I will incorporate uh, xenophobia into my advocacy for reparations and tell lies that Africans are whispering in the ears of white people not to support reparations. Uh, that has been said. Yvette Carnell said that on a video, that Africans are whispering in the ears of white people not to give you reparations. Of course, she didn't give you no receipts. She couldn't show you a video of any African person, whether they was in Africa or African immigrant who came here, of saying those things. In fact, you just had an African immigrant who's the member of Congress from Sudan, I believe. No, she's from Somalia, another one of those nations that the United States has destroyed um, through warfare and made it very unstable. So she comes here. Um, like a lot of Somalis, um, a lot of Sudanese as well, come here. Now she's in Congress. She came here as a child. She was eligible to run for Congress, can't be president, but can run for Congress. She won her race. And now guess what? She's up there saying she supports. She says she supports reparations for African-Americans. Okay. But according to some, she, uh, Ilhan Omar is whispering in the ears of white people in Congress not to back reparations. See what I'm saying? This is this is just lunacy. This is very uncodified behavior that undermines support for reparation as a, as, as, rather than 
broadening the support base for reparations. I said to a person the other day, a black person, we had a we had a conversation. It was a constructive conversation. Um, we didn't agree on everything, but he was respectful towards me, and I was respectful towards him. That's part of codification. And but he said I had mentioned this is what he said. He said that immigrants benefited from Jim Crow, from and, and what have you. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that was his point. Immigrants, and I said I think it's important, brother, to point out that white immigrants benefited from Jim Crow. Jim Crow being the black codes, the laws that were passed by the states and by the federal government, or in some cases not challenged by the federal government, that benefited fresh off the boat white immigrants who came here after the Civil War. It was waves of them that came here. They were classified as white, depending upon their skin color, and therefore they were given special treatment over African Americans, descendants of victims of slavery, and including Caribbean immigrants. Caribbean immigrants have been long entwined in black struggle against white supremacy. Marcus Garvey from Jamaica, as we talked about Jamaica earlier, what did the U.S. government do to him? Kicked him out the country after throwing him in prison because he was trying to get black people to work together, to build their own businesses, to create their own economies, create their own and control their own communities. Talked about uh, migrating back to Africa, and they didn't like that. They didn't like that. And so they targeted him. Using African Americans, the first FBI agent, um, that J. Edgar Hoover used to infiltrate a black movement to destroy that movement. That first F FBI agent used to target movements like my Marcus Garvey was ADOS. He was the descendant of victims of slavery, but yet he he helped white supremacists destroy this this movement by Marcus Garvey that had the support of millions, millions of African Americans. You look at the civil rights movement, you'll find Caribbean immigrants engaged in that and supporting the movement, putting their lives on the line, out there fighting, out there giving speeches, joining the Black Panther Party, joining the uh, uh, the SNCC, Student Nonviolent um, Coordinating Committee, joining the Racial Congress, um, just doing all kind of stuff that they didn't have to do and putting their lives on the line and many of them being deported for fighting white supremacy. Okay, so it's it, it's just so uncodified, incorrect that the leaders of this movement have based their movement on, and it's not going to last. And it's drawing the wrong type of attention because of uncodified language that isn't looking to produce justice. Justice means that no one is mistreated and everyone who needs help gets help. That's a just society. Justice isn't me getting butter biscuits from white supremacists so that I can have more benefits and live better than other victims of white supremacy. In fact, white supremacists encourage squabbling with other victims. Now, I have linked up to this 
and you can check it out. It's a fairly long article. I thought it was it was a a fair article. It also made me rethink my comments about or my understanding about Barack Obama on reparations. I found a quote in here when Obama was being questioned by Ta-Nehisi quotes. It's not that Barack Obama didn't support reparations or didn't think reparations were due. He said he doesn't have the political capital to pass reparations, so he's going to try to pass other stuff that's going to help these people. And so, again, when you, you don't understand politics and how politics work, you need public support on a lot of stuff. You just being belligerent and standing outside somebody's house with a sign and calling them white devils and saying, white devil, you need to pass, you need to just cut the check. That's not constructive. That is not going to make that quote unquote white devil sign a check of reparations to you. What it's going to do is make him double down on his actions and preventing you from getting that check. Again, if you don't understand how white supremacy work, if you don't understand the concepts of codification, then everything you else you think you understand is only going to lead to more confusion. As Mr. Neely Fuller said, now I wholeheartedly agreed with that. Agree with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, uh, share this piece right here. But yeah, seventy percent of people don't support reparations in the United States. How do you then change? public opinion on reparations where you do it with propaganda you do it by getting those people to want to practice justice and to see the great injustice that has been created don't assume that they understand because they don't they tell us lies about slavery in this country don't think that they educate that they have any more information than you have through the public education system okay but how would you get, a, let's say, Latinos, since that's the other large, large voting block? It's larger than African Americans at this point. So how do you get Latinos to call their representatives in the Hispanic caucus or Latino caucus to sign on and support reparations? Because you're going to need those votes. You're going to need those. You might be like, you know what? Latinos, y'all should be able to identify with what black people have gone through, what African Americans, the descendants of victims of slavery has gone through. Um, we're not just tying it to, to our ancestors' enslavement, but we're also tying it to the, the codes, the black codes, the laws that were passed that denied us our rights, that denied us opportunity, um, the terrorism from the police, the lynchings from the, state-sponsored violence. Y'all should be able to identify with that. Remember in California when white people just started flooding in the countries and competing with y'all to mine the gold and they started lynching y'all and they was calling y'all spicks and all kind of derogatory names and, and putting up no Mexicans allowed on on, on uh, public accommodations. Y'all remember that? There was an injury done to y'all. Y'all deserve reparations for that. So y'all should support reparations for us uh, politically and then get your people to vote in support of reparations. And then if you decide that y'all want to start a reparations movement for the descendants of those uh, uh, people who weren't even immigrants, they was already here before the United States uh, took over the territory. 
And y'all should file for reparations if you think that's something y'all should do. Uh, y'all were harmed. Y'all were lynched. The, the records show that. And that y'all are owed reparations. So when it when y'all start y'all movement for reparations, guess what? I'll be calling my representative and saying, support, uh, cut the check for the descendants of people who can prove that they was here during the 1800s and ancestors suffered from Jim Crow racism and terrorism. Who is the second largest population in modern day slavery today? So that's how you build coalitions. That's how that's how you produce justice. It's by seeking allies. And sometimes you got to teach them. What you're not going to do is get that political support because if you're talking about going through the U.S. Congress and through the U.S. government, you can't do it except through obtaining political support, being belligerent, being xenophobic, name-calling, attack, physically assaulting people, and talking about they taking your jobs. and all, That is not going to get you the political support that you need. If you could do it by yourself, you didn't need other people's votes and public opinion in your favor, then, hell, we would have got reparations yesterday. And it wouldn't have been no 30, darn near 40-year fight. So that's what I mean about codification. Then you have to understand that it's not a good look when white supremacists start uh, uh, patting you on the back and saying, boy, that's the way to do it. Yeah, you know, and separate you from other non-white people. That's crazy, man. Anyway, it says, beyond ADOS's more fundamental issues, experts have raised the alarm at how easily it could be hijacked for other purposes. Now, I don't too much care for Malcolm Nance. He's an establishment black person who make money from the war on terror and what have you. He puts himself out there as some kind of counterterrorism intelligence consultant. Well, he was one for the U.S. government. He was in the Navy. Um, he doesn't seem to have any shame connected to him being a weapon of white supremacy, like the shame that I carry uh, for being a weapon of white supremacy when I joined the U.S. military. Um, so I have some very fundamental differences with Malcolm Nance. And he was one of those who was putting out there that the Black Lives Matter movement and, and, and all of these black people, these memes and stuff that's talking about white supremacy, he's saying these are the Russians trying to divide Americans and stuff. And I pushed out back against that. Okay. But anyway, he, he's, this is what he has said and it's quoted in this article. Uh, Malcolm Nance, a counterterrorism intelligence consultant for the U.S. government, warned on Twitter that for five months, a small group of black cybersecurity experts have been watching a bunch of black Trumpers use ADOS and warning it was the leading edge of a racist Russian cyber attack on Kamala Harris. So I don't buy that part about a racist Russian cyber attack. That's garbage. He has produced no receipts on that. But it, it it makes it does seem logical that black Trump supporters, given how Trump is xenophobic and they like Trump and align themselves with his policies, that they would start identifying or using the hashtag ADOS. I'm surprised Candace Owens ain't ain't latched on to it. She's probably trying to make her make inroads into it. Um anyway, it goes on to say many bots, some trolls. Um, 
are behind these attacks. Uh, indeed, there's evidence purveyors of misinformation are more than happy to use ADOS as a weapon in their meme arsenal. On a 4chan poll thread that asked for dirt on Harris, one user wrote, highlight the fact that most American blacks ADOS hate her from posing as one of them when in fact she's a descendant of Caribbean slave owners and the high class street shitters. I mean, wow. She does not speak for African Americans. These are white people. They're saying this in this thread. Another wrote, I have a bunch of Twitter accounts for the sole purpose of astroturfing reparations. It will splinter the Democratic Party. ADOS hashtag F, uh, F you pay me. These are white people. These are trolls. Yet another said in January, make sure we let them know Kamala is Jamaican Indian mix and she's not an ADOS American descendant. Of, these are white people, white supremacists, Trump supporters. They have infiltrated. See, when your movement is based on solely on Twitter and as a hashtag, anybody can infiltrate that and make you look bad. And if you don't dis distance yourself, well, it's too late. They can't make you look bad because you came out the gate. The founders came out the gate with this xenophobic stuff, this anti-blackness, this anti-Africanness, the using the Trump language to describe not other non-white people as others. I don't care if people get mad at me or anything. I, my purpose is to speak the truth, to gather information, and disseminate information based on proper research to people. And this is so uncodified. So let me get into Mr. Fuller's, and I'm going to close out with this. Uh, see that I'm going overtime. It's already after one. But um, I'm going to close out with this. If you go look up the 10 basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech and action, you should find a website that talks about those 10 stops, although I have linked to it in my program notes. And I'm going to go all the way to number 10. But here are the 10 stops. Stop snitching. Stop name calling. Stop cursing. Stop gossiping. Stop being discourteous. Stop stealing. Stop robbing. Stop fighting. Stop killing. Stop squabbling. Squabbling. I focus on squabbling because that's most related to what I'm seeing from actual African Americans who have attached themselves to this movement by Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell. Because this just so much speaks to that. So let's jump down number 10. Stop Number 10, stop squabbling among yourselves and asking racist white supremacists to settle your problems. One of the major non-just acts that racist white supremacists commit is to establish situations that cause and or encourage non-white people to squabble among themselves. Racists do not approve of any fights or arguments between non-white people that non-white people settle among themselves without the so-called help of the racists. Racists do not knowingly allow any non-white person or persons to do anything that does not directly or indirectly help to promote racism, white supremacy. Racists approve of and encourage non-white people to fight each other, kill each other, squabble with each other, 
name call each other, and do anything that best helps non-white people to remain confused and non-constructive. Racists are not in favor of the extermination of all non-white people. They are in favor of many non-white people being killed, but not all of them. They have no desire for non-white people to become extinct. If non-white people become extinct, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if non-white people become extinct, extinct, there could be no way for white people to practice racism. At least they could not practice it in the form of white supremacy. Racists want non-white people to continue to exist. It is not possible to practice white supremacy if non-white people do not exist. The racists want non-white people to continue to be their subjects and victims. While using non-white people as victims, the racists particularly want the non-white people to squabble among themselves. And they want the non-white people to beg them, the racists, to settle the squabbles. You know, like saying Donald Trump, I don't care if Donald Trump separates these uh, Latino or Hispanic babies from their parents uh, uh, and what have you. They done that willingly and, and all this and that without having background information as to why these people are leaving. Okay? White supremacy is the reason. Neely Fuller calls it racial dislocation. You know, it's easier for you to attack the children in the cages and their parents and the other people trying to get political asylum, including Africans, because there's there's really not going to be any real consequences to well, I'm not going to say that because when non-white people attack each other, uh, they go into prison slavery, okay? Um, and, and therefore, that benefits white supremacy, okay? Um, but it's not so easy or some people uh, are just not willing to attack the white supremacy and his policy that's causing so much world instability. No, let's just focus on the symptom of the problems that white supremacists are creating and attack the victims of foreign U.S. foreign policy. Let's attack them. Let's not attack U.S. foreign policy and say, hey, even question ourselves, why are we joining the United States military to go into these other people's countries and kill them and destroy their infrastructure and and to just practice white supremacy as non-white weapons of white supremacy. So we yeah, we don't have the courage to say that, but we find a lot of courage to go attack somebody on the subway for speaking Spanish talking about you taking my jobs. Tim basic stops. The victims of racism should practice in speech and action, not just towards each other, but towards all people. It'll help solve, it'll help you from creating more problems that ain't attached to, to no more money. You know the old saying, more money, more problems? Well, no. You're just creating more problems without the money. And trying to claim that you getting, you trying to obtain some money via reparations from the U.S. government. Well, why does that need to entail attacking Pan-Africanists, attacking Africans, and attacking immigrants without even recognizing uh, what the white supremacists you trying to get reparations from? Because that's who it's going to boil down to. You got to convince reparations, white people to, to sign off on you getting reparations. 
that's just the hard truth about the matter. So if you think name calling, cursing, being discourteous, squabbling about other non-white people, complaining about other non-white people taking something from you, giving to them by white people, which means it was never yours to begin with. If you think that's going to earn you some political capital, because we talking about, they're talking about, they ain't talking about filing lawsuits. They're talking about going through the white supremacist system to get those reparations. Well, you're not going to get it being uncodified. No matter how much you scream, no matter how much you align yourself with the agenda of white supremacists, white supremacists going to say, I like what you're doing, as Ann Coulter said, as these white supremacists in the 4chan thread said, yeah, we're going to exploit that and to keep non-white people fighting each other so that Donald Trump can have an easy path to becoming reelected. Please become more codified in your speech and actions. If it's not to produce justice, then as Mr. Fuller said, what are you looking to produce? You cannot obtain justice by means of injustice. It's not logical. So I, I would hope people would consider these things about why codification is so important, especially if you call yourself working in the people activity area of politics, because if you're not codified, you're going to give ammunition to your enemies or to people who might have been allies if you had courted their support in the right way instead of attacking them and telling them I don't need your support. That's a doggone lie. You do need their support. You need votes of more than just the black political caucus to get reparations. And then we have 10 African Americans who are in Congress, ADOS. They don't identify as that, but they are the descendants of victims of slavery who haven't even co-signed as a sponsor of H.R. 40. So you can't even get all the black people in Congress to sign up for exploring reparations and coming up with the policies to repair black people who have been harmed by white supremacy. But then you think you not going to need when it goes, let's say it advances, you get the 100 sponsors that you need, it advances to the House floor, then you're going to need more than just those co-sponsors to vote for that to pass it. That's not even mentioning the Senate. Then someone has to introduce, I believe Cory Booker might have introduced something in the Senate for a reparation study. I think Bernie Sanders might be a co-sponsor. But um, um, then you got the other House of Congress that you got to then uh, convince 60-something senators, a majority of them, to support it. Standing outside of Mitch McConnell's house calling him a white devil with a sign that says ADOS is not helping that cause. It's just simply not me. This should be common sense things. But I, I guess logic isn't all that common among people. And then some of it is due to the racism that they have, have uh, experienced has not equipped them with the tools that they need to 
to get what they need or to navigate the system of white supremacy. So I'm not calling anyone dumb. I'm not calling anyone stupid. That will be name calling. But I will simply say that a lack of information, a lack of codified behavior and language has has brought unwanted attention to what you're doing and is undermining what you say that you are your main reason for doing this is 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 for and that's to attain reparations again name calling squabbling with other victims of white supremacy setting yourself apart as others and aligning yourself with the language of white supremacists and their agendas good luck with that good luck with that I don't think it's going to be successful and the evidence on the ground is where they're focusing more on the incorrect things that you're doing more so than what you're even asking for I tell you man we got a long way to go man we got a long way to go in in equipping our people with the tools they need to combat the system of racism and white supremacy we cannot imitate white supremacists and think that we're going to produce justice for anyone. That said, thanks for being patient with me. I was kind of all over the place today. Um, Got a lot of stuff on my mind and things I need to do. But I will be back tomorrow um, with another broadcast of Black Talk Radio News at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Please continue to support the nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. Remember, your donations are tax deductible how many people are telling you that that you're giving money to Um, because I you know uh, I think that's important to point out that your donations are tax deductible so if you need some write offs um, you definitely use your donations um, to the Black Talk Media Project and and give those to your tax preparer Uh, you can also join btrcommunity.com a black digital social media space where you can engage in social media media in a more codified manner. With that said, y'all be safe out there. Until tomorrow, peace and blessings to all.